Witcher, 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 whoa! Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Draw Knives Podcast, a podcast hosted by me, Matt, and Bernard, where we recap last week's episode of Top Chef. Bernard, how are you today? And by last week's episode, I mean last night. We're recording early this week. Yes. Uh, I'm great. Thank you for asking, Matt. Well, um, that is good to hear. Uh, I was getting texts from you last night that was like, this episode is uh, from multiple people, actually, not just you. Oh, sure. They were like, this episode is wild. And it was. It is a wild episode. Uh, Restaurant Wars, which everyone talks about is sort of like this inflection point of like, okay, it's really serious now. Yep. The, the show is, has like done sort of preliminary moments and now we've, we've hit this moment in the show where everyone, you know, so many people just want to make it to restaurant wars. That's like their big thing. Yeah. And make it through. So um, the way it starts off this week is there's no uh, quick fire. It's just straight into restaurant wars. Uh, Kristen Kish, uh, who has not been with us at all this year, uh, is introduced um, along with Gregory Gourdet, uh, and they are they announce it's restaurant wars, which makes sense because there's an even amount of chefs. There's um, eight total, so uh, they're uh, charged with making a seven course progressive tasting menu for a chef's table, um, and. Uh, that alone is interesting because a lot of the stressors of a restaurant war episode is having to navigate not just the chef's table, but also every other table within a service uh, twice. You know, they do two services, one with the chefs, one, one without, with the judges, one without the judges. So this is already interesting because you only have one table you have to do and you have to do more courses. So seven courses. Uh, typically, I think they only do three to five. And I think that's why I liked it because it sort of was in a weird way. They did what we had wanted them to do in the terms, in terms of like they restaurant wars became, it became more of like what the season finale episode is where they like just have to serve a really good progressive meal. Sure. Sure. Yeah. No, it, it is. Um, it, it's the first time that they've had to do this as a, in any situation this year where they had to create a menu that sort of built upon itself. Um, and, you know, progressive menus, tasting menus are really difficult because, especially in a team challenge, because everyone wants ownership of their dish, but it has to feel like one person created the menu. You don't want to make it, you don't want to have it feel like seven different people, or in this case, like four different people in each team created seven different courses. Like it just doesn't, it needs to feel cohesive. Um mm-hmm. So we start off with the creation of the teams and, you know, uh, they did coin flips. So heads and tails, it created the two teams. Uh, the two teams uh, <clears throat> were uh, Coco Son, uh, which is uh, Shoda, Maria, and Byron, and Jamie. And then team Penny, which was ended up being Sarah, Gabe, Chris, and Dawn. Um I, right away, Shoda even mentions like, I think the other team has more sort of like talent uh, in terms of like sheer like ability. But he's like, but I'm, I don't mind being underdog. And he pitches right away a, a Japanese. Yes, yeah. exactly. So he decide, he's like, and that has a natural progression in terms yeah. of its brilliant stylistically. And it really actually, it's a, it's a brilliant suggestion because right away, 
it sort of solidifies like the kind of style of dish would happen at course one and course two and course, and then they just had to figure out what they would do within the right. So right away, the structure and conception of the restaurant is far ahead of the other team. Um, The other team, they landed on fish. We're going to do seafood. (laughs) Um, And, uh, right away, I'm like, okay, this is a disaster. Like I knew as I soon knew, as they said that, I was like, oh, they lost. They lost, right? I was like, this is not good. Like the concept, like right away, I was like, you know, the failure of conception here was that they really, they didn't have a focused idea. And here's the thing: there was a way for them to do a seafood menu that would have been really great. But once you said seafood and didn't tie it together in some way, which was the big complaint that the judges had at the end of the right episode you know what a way that like for example this is just a simple way that i would have if i were there like suggested is like you're into seafood dish why not have an element on each dish like you start off a dish right and then you have one element carry over to the second to the next dish and then have a different element carry on to the third dish so like they sort of tying so that you're sort of threading a needle and threading a story with like this one, like a, an element will help connect to the next. And I was like, that would have, a simple thing like that would have been enough, but they got screwed by having- We this need like to very, get you on Top Chef. Yeah, well, thank you. They had this very, um, uh, really uh, failure in conception because once you said seafood, everyone is in like their own four corners of like figuring right. out what they kind of wanted to do. And they also had Dawn on the team, which Dawn's two dishes ended up being excellent but she couldn't figure out how to explain what she was doing to anyone, which in a team challenge like this is very frustrating. So I felt like they had a lot of strong chefs who had strong personalities and just didn't understand sort of what was really at hand here. Um, So let's go over the menu really quick for Cocosone. So the chefs, uh, they go in, and they have seven courses they have to do. Uh, I'll just run through them really quick. Uh, first course is eggplant with sesame mole with um, ham fricake uh, by mm. Shoda and Maria. Second course is a cured sockeye salmon with ricotto's curry sauce and crispy quinoa. Uh, that was by Byron and Jamie. A lengua sando with pickled mustard, onions, and dipping sauce by Maria. Um, fourth course was a tempura lotus root shiso leaf with chopped rockfish and ume paste by Shota. Uh, fifth course was a short rib with kalbi gal- glaze, quail egg, puffed rice, and salsa morita by Jamie and Byron. Sixth course was a hot pot zosui with shrimp machaca and seafood broth. Um, and it was topped with bonito flake, which was probably my favorite part of that dish was that like the bonito flake, if you ever add heat to bonito, it sort of like curls up and like kind of dances. That um, whole That whole menu sounded... So good. And then the seventh course was a tres leche steamed cake with coconut and pineapple. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that, so the menu, they bring out this menu. There's some things about this that they, they, first of all, deciding to do the stylistically that seven courses was so brilliant. Um, Everyone got the feel like they were participating in every dish, even if someone was, is like, this is my dish, right? Um, Just a way that like, for example, with the linguisando, Maria really the sando let, looked so good. So good. So good. <clears throat> but she let Shota cut it and it was like, you mm-hmm. present it. Like, you, and he, it looked so Japanese the way he cut mm-hmm. it. Like, 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 I was like, this is such a 
like the way he cut the bread and the sandwich, it just looked so impeccable. And like, that's the thing that I think Shota brings to the table as an, sort of a de facto executive chef is that super precise. Like there's a precision to the, every single dish that went out that just felt um, really, it really elevated the entire meal. Uh, and a and, chillness. He was so, so chill. Yeah. So and, chill. And they really lucked out because they had Maria. And I know Maria oh, yeah. has, has a lot of positive <laughs> and negatives going for her as a chef. But one of hers is she's just a natural like host. And mm-hmm. so she, the, the, the difference for this team over uh, Penny was that she was really in charge after her linguisanda. She really took over the front of the house duties. And just yeah. really was part of the thing with the, with the tasting menu is when you're sitting there, you're in the kitchen, right? In a lot of tasting menus, you're, and they are literally just a couple feet away from the kitchen. So you really, you're part of the entertainment and like your engagement is like, and obviously someone like, uh, like Jamie, who seems to get very kind of flustered a little bit uh, as well as Shoda, who's clearly very quiet, but very, you know, like they're just not, and they're not outgoing people. You needed Maria to really she's, balance them out. She, she, she's hands down. Um, she's fan favorite. She's going to win fan favorite. I, I just, I, I, I mean, I, I really I, feel I would be like, shocked. I would, be, I would shocked. be so shocked by it. Yeah. She really, and she, and she really understood, like, I just have to fit into this world. I, I love the idea that she put, she put a Sando, which is very popular in, in this style. And the mole, the mole looks so yeah, good. The mole is great, but using lingua, which is not a Japanese product. Right. Like I just thought that was such a smart, like marriage of those sensibilities. And again, like, it never felt like Shota was like forcing them to do one thing or another. He just, all he did was imply, um, infuse the entire experience with structure. Mm-hmm. And he let them sort of like, and that's really what a great teacher does, not just a good chef, but like create structure that you can play within, right? Like free form is one thing, but like giving them a little bit of boundaries to be like, okay, it has to be a sandwich all right, what's a great sandwich I can do that makes me feel like I participated in this experience? And then having Maria, who has been up and down all season, put one of their best dishes up all season in this, in this you know. So um, it was a brilliant, I mean, they all, <laughs> like you knew the chefs out there leaving, they're like, that was one of the best, if not the best restaurant ever created on Restaurant Wars. And I was like, well, that's, that's really sad for Penny because yeah. it'd be really hard to beat that. And, you know, as we saw going into that um, even as they were prepping for the meal you could just tell they were not communicating well everyone was in their own headspace there was no designated person to sort of take over in the front of the house um, and that doesn't mean they didn't do good things they did some very nice things that I liked better than Kokoson um, but you know so let's really quick go over the menu um, so uh, the Amos Bush which was not one of the seven courses. Oh, I was so worried about the amus because you know when they say it's that huge. they when the, when they're like everything we put out they're going to judge us on. I was like, that's this is their downfall. Yes, and first of all, an amus should be only one bite. Like this thing was mm-hmm. a tostada, which is huge. It's a heirloom corn tostada with fat bastard oyster and cured snapper, and it's just it's a big, you know, it's a it's like the size of a hand. So like it's a big, it's like it's not an amus bush. Um, right. If he had done it as size of an Amish bush, like the size of maybe like a silver dollar coin, I think it probably would have gone over very well. But it was so big, and like this is a this is a course, you know. Um, Gabe did that. Uh, first course was the uh, warm crab salad with corn puff and the island coconut sauce, and they loved it. 
again, it was a dish that Don had uh, conceived on the fly in a way. Um, second course was the halibut crudo with ajo blanco sauce and confit tomato by Sarah. Um, they did not like the texture of the sauce here. Uh, and really, this was the dish that caused Sarah's decline. They um, called it mealy, right? Yeah. Yeah, they did not. Yeah, like that's, a, that's not very good. I, mean, gritty, yeah. I think they called it gritty. Gritty, gritty. Yeah. Third course was a seared scallop with Creole XO and ham hock broth by Dawn. They freaked out over the broth. Um, the fourth course was a crispy skin, uh, salmon skin with pak choy, turnips, hazelnut brown butter uh, sauce by Sarah. They really, really liked this dish, in particular Tom, but um, she did not have a good answer as to why only the skin and not the entire fish. Uh, she was like, that's for us later. And I was like, this is not, this is, you're not charming. That's a, just a genuine question they're asking. Uh, and you need to have a better answer for that. Fifth course was a shrimp tortellini brodo with seafood broth by Chris. Uh, they really did not like this, the, the dough and the uh, tortellini by Chris, which is, again, I think his third time trying to do pasta and it just did not work out for him. Sixth course was the charred octopus with mole verde, squash and serrano chili by Gabe. And seventh, which actually was probably the best thing they had all night, was by Chris, a kelp ice cream with cocoa nib meringue, toasted hazelnut, and seaweed salt. It was so good that Dale Talley asked for a second portion of it. Of course he did. Um, so of course like, Dale did. Yeah, and so I will say this. Um, that is, this, this menu uh, has a lot of flaws in it. But the thing that I'm annoyed with with this episode is I really feel like as good as Chris' ice cream was – he should have gone home because I'm sick of this guy making pasta and it not working out for him. Like he's just I like, do agree. It was surprise. I mean, I, it, it's one of the testaments that they really do send the worst dish home. Yes. Because you'd be like, well, Sarah is never on the bottom, but right. this time she just made the worst dish right. in a different competition, like in another series they would have they would factored send, they in would, the, yeah, yeah. They would have factored in all the previous stuff. No, I, yeah. I get, and I get that. But I just feel like between the crudo she did and the salmon skin dish, I, I think that her mistake was slightly less. Oh, really? Than, like in than, the episode? Yeah. I think that Chris is, I mean, he just can't make pasta. Like, he, like they were like, they, they not, no one had any good thing to say about this pasta dish. Uh, even if they love the ice cream, I'm just like, I'm not keeping a guy into the Top Chef competition based on how good of an ice cream he made. Um, right. So they go to, the, so they go to, they go to the uh, chef's, uh, the judge's table. Uh, top was uh, Coco San uh, Maria one uh, for which, overall. which we I saw that one coming or Shoda one yeah. of the two. I really yeah. was surprised Maria won. Um, I think that the that uh, Penny's lack of a front of house person actually gave Maria the win. It became such a because there was such, like a contrast. Yeah, 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 if, yeah. If they had had a first, I feel like Shota would have won because the structure was clearly his. Um, mm. But that's fine. Maria won. Um, and then in the bottom, uh, it really came down to Sarah, Gabe, or Chris. And uh, it, it, it to me, it was either Chris or Sarah. And Sarah went out. Um, but while she was eliminated from the competition, she went to uh, LCK and beat Sasha. Now the question is. Do you think she's going to do a Kristen Kish yes. and come all the way back? Yes, I do. I think it I, depends on who else is eliminated. If, Den- I mean, if Dawn is kicked out, I think Dawn will beat her. If Shota's kicked out, I think Shota could beat her. Well, no, no. I think that, like, th- I think that she could easily beat um, 
I think she can beat Jamie and I think she can beat Chris. I think uh, she can beat Byron. I think that she, really, I really in my heart believe the only person that I think she would be nervous to go up against is Shoda. I think she can beat anybody. In a quick fire style competition, I feel like she can beat anybody. I, I doubt Shoda is going to go to love. I, mean, I actually think it's Don's competition to lose now. That seems crazy to me, but okay. I, um, I do. I really do. Because storytelling wise, you got to pay attention to the episode. The way that she's getting better every time. Sure, sure. And so she is getting, she's getting better. Every time. I, and they I have not her... show, they have not showcased her editorially yes, like in yes. the show yet. And that that's always like a big they did the same thing with Melissa. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I can see it. I just feel like, I don't know. based on every dish I've seen overall, I just feel like Sarah has the most breath and width of her talent. And so, um, I I I mean, I think it showed us to lose in the competition at the moment. Like it showed us. Yeah. If you're, if you're excluding LCK. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just feel like she'll beat Chris in LCK, which I mean, let's just, let's be honest. I think Chris is probably, He's so close. Like the fact that he squeaked through this week blew my mind. When they announced Sarah, I was like, that's. Well, I think the thing about Sarah is Sarah's point of view is less specific than the other ones. Like, Uh, like Shoda's point of view is so clear. It's he sometimes makes mistakes, but but, like he knows what he's cooking. It's it's just like Melissa. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. But like, I think that um, uh, that's actually a strength for Sarah that she, her point of view is that she is malleable. You know, yeah. I think she does have a strong, like if you look at her food, she has a really strong, like I feel like she, she has a very strong point of view. It's just not as um, obvious as Shota, mm-hmm. for example. Um, listen, they're all great chefs and they all could yeah. win. But I really feel like for me, if I had all the money in the world, like you only at one restaurant, it would be the one that Sarah of these competitors, Sarah is the one the chef. Of. I think my top four, not of my team, but that will, that sure. will do well are Shoda, Dawn, Jamie, and Gabe. And maybe sure. a Maria. I think Maria, this could, we'll see next week. It could lead to like a, she could just be on a roll. So. I mean, it's totally possible. It's totally possible. I mean, but Chris has to go. If Chris, Chris doesn't Chris, go next week, then I don't even know. <laughs> I, I mean, it's just crazy to me. It's just crazy to me. Well, this week for you, it was a very good week for you in our competition. Um, we each have four chefs left. Um, Matt, you have Shoda, Jamie, Dawn, and Maria. Uh, and I have Sarah, Gabe, uh, Byron, and Chris. Um, and you are up 146 to 98. Um, so. so I just need to build a lot of wins over the next few weeks. So even if Sarah wins the whole thing, yeah, that's points, happened. Yeah. That's happened before, where people have what like they've have the winner on their team, but they've lost the the fantasy. You know. So um, anyway, um, well, tune in next week, everyone. We have a special episode releasing on Monday, I believe. And it's actually, it's really a great episode to listen to. So tune in. I'm very happy with it. So actually this is funny because this episode is going to be released after that episode. So disregard what I just said. <laughs> um, but today's episode is brought to you by Dunkin Donuts ice coffee. Now I love Dunkin Donuts. So if we could get our unofficial sponsor, um, Dunkin Donuts, to actually sponsor us, 
talk about it for years. Could talk about Ben Affleck and Dunkin' Donuts. What, what, what is for your years. what is your uh, uh, order? What's your my coffee? order quickly before we end today. My order, and then I want to know yours, Bernard. I have two orders. Okay. Um, my ideal order is I don't always do it, but I like to do a large iced coffee, one cream, two Splenda, maybe a sugar-free syrup if I'm feeling fancy without the Splenda then, but two Splenda, and then I love the um, Beyond meat breakfast sandwich okay yeah i don't get coffee there um i've never had coffee there that doesn't mean i, I I'm, I'm like i won't have it's it. like I water and well, I love I would, it. yeah i i mean i i just i whenever i've had drunken donuts because there is a dunkin donuts where i live i will go because it's not that far from me i'll literally go get a couple chocolate frosted donuts for my daughter and me and then yeah. have coffee at my house because i like the coffee i make um but the donuts uh, are great there's, donuts are great. Uh, tried and true, right? Right. I mean, there's a reason they exist. Yeah. Um, thank you, for everyone, for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye.